Today we're going to go into a three-part series um, about prayer, and we're, gonna, and we're calling it uh, Prayer That Works. So turn to the person next to you and say, Prayer That Works. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, Prayer That Works. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I would imagine that just about all of us um, probably don't need to pray enough. I mean, we probably, I, I, there are probably most of you in this room would say, you know what, I have, I pray so much, I need more time for video games and social media, I need more time to watch TV and have more entertainment in my life because I'm always praying, right? Okay, don't raise your hand, don't you dare, we're all going to get struck by lightning, I'm raising my hand, I'm going to tell you that now. And so, it's an easy series because it's something that we all can, get, can grow in, somebody say Amen. And so I want to teach us over the next three weeks how to pray, and it actually works. Um, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life I'm like, prayer does not work. God does not care. He just, he's just don't, he wants me to shut up and leave him alone. There have been moments like that in my life, and I have contended for things that never came to pass. Am I the only one in the room, or some of you understand what I'm talking about? And so I want to teach us over the next couple of weeks just how do we get to the kind of prayer that actually works works. And so let me identify prayer. I thought Billy Graham had the greatest definition of prayer. You'll see it on the screens. Prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. Somebody say amen. That's all it really is. It's just a two-way conversation, not a one-way conversation where I just kind of send him a text and I hope one day he answers it. It's a two-way. And that's the beauty of actually being on the phone with somebody is that you can actually hear their response while you're talking to them. And that's kind of what prayer's supposed to be. It's not a, I'm going to snail mail him and when he gets it, he'll open it like Santa Claus. It's a wish list and maybe he can send some answers to me down the road. It's an interaction. And I think that's the best way to understand prayer is that it really is an interaction between you and God. And so to kind of jump in, our key verse is James chapter 5 and verse 16. So if you will go ahead and turn on your Bibles and go ahead and and scroll over to it. James chapter 5 and verse 16. And uh, it says it like this, and I'm reading it out of King James for all my King James friends. There's a number of guys in my church that they, they love me, and they're okay with me reading NIV, but they keep wanting me to get back to King James. I grew up on the King James Version, and I love it dearly. And so let's quote it out of there. Effectual Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Here in verse 16, James is literally kind of giving us a clarity on the kind of prayer that actually works. I would actually could redefine that as saying the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man works. That would be one good way to say it availeth much. I don't use that most times in my English vernacular. How are you? I'm availing much. Thank you. And so what this is saying is that I'm going to show you, James is saying, listen, this is the kind of prayer that works. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man works, or woman. And to kind of Back up a little bit, and if you're a person who wants to help st- uh, get stronger in, the, in your relationship with the Lord, then you need to start studying the Word, and to understand the Word, you need to read it in its entirety, and not just pull little pieces out, and that's where we get all this false doctrine that we see on TV all the time. It's like, dude, that ain't what that was saying at all, you mixed that all up, because you pulled it out and put it the way you wanted it to say, so you could accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, opposed to putting it in perspective. So James, in, the, in chapter 5, what he's doing is, he's going down through teaching, and, and by way of the Holy Spirit, and he, in verse... In verse 9, he says, listen, you need to stop complaining. And actually alludes to the fact that it's sin to complain. And then in verse 12, he says, listen, stop cursing. And stop stop using curses and things like that. And I would propose to you that what James is doing here is he's actually qualifying that life and death is in the power of the... Life and death is in the power of the... 
And so he's saying, listen, guys, stop sinning by all your complaining and stop sinning by all of your cursing. And friend, I would say it to you like this, but instead, pray. In fact, when you get down to verse 12 and 13, he says, listen, who has troubles? They should pray. Those of you that have difficulty, stop complaining about it, stop cursing about it, but pray about it. Here's the truth, and here's something you've got to understand. When you and I are cursing, when you and I are complaining, when you and I are gossiping and slander, that is proof that we're trying to do it in our own strength, and we're frustrated. When you pray, you don't need to curse. Say, God's got that. Bless you. God bless I bless you. Say what you want to say, girlfriend. I don't matter to me because God's got it because he and I have been talking. Speak to the hand. When you pray about it, then you don't have to complain about it. When you pray about it, then you don't have to curse about it. When you pray about it, you don't have to gossip and slander about it and try to get everybody on your team so you can change it. If you'll pray about it, he'll change it. Come on, somebody. Or he'll change you in the middle of it. And there's the two sides of prayer that most people don't understand. Most people think that prayer is nothing more than um, me asking God to change my situation. No, no, no. There's another part, part of prayer when we realize that I'm praying for God to give me grace as I continue in the situation. A loveless marriage, for example. Or a job that you can't get out of and you can't stand the people you work for. Instead of saying, oh God, kill them all. How about we pray, oh God, help me to sustain in the midst of the fire. For I know there may be three of us in this fire. Oh no, there's a fourth man and he looks as though he's the son of God in the fire with me. Giving me sustaining ability and I don't even smell like smoke. You understand? And so prayer, what it does is it gives you and I the ability to know God. Because I'm interacting with God. And so how do we get to the kind of prayer that actually works? That actually changes things. See, I want to be a part of a church that is a praying church. I don't, I, I don't want to just be around people that are always bringing me problems. Say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. And, and it's the same problem last week. And it's the same problem the week before. And the same problem. Why? Because they have no sustainability because they have no relationship with their, their God. And they're hoping that they can get a relationship through me to God. When you and I have rights to the throne. We don't need another high priest. We have Jesus Christ as our advocate. And he said, I'm going to send you the comforter. And the comforter is going to lead you and guide you in all truth. And he's going to comfort you in difficult times. And you don't have to go pull on everybody else. You can actually interact with your God yourself. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? You know, remember last week I was reminding you that sin and bad decisions and all that stuff, God's, he's not so worried about good and bad. It's much more about you and I being with him. Because as I'm with him, I start acting like him, talking like him, and being like him. So the objective is, I just don't want to be bad. I'm trying so hard to quit smoking. No, don't try to quit smoking. Start spending time with Jesus, and those cigarettes will start tasting nasty, I promise you. Start spending time with Jesus. You'll stop cussing everybody, because then you'll start blessing them like Jesus does. All you have to do is get close to Jesus, and as you you get close to him, you'll start acting like him, talking like him, being like him. And so it's not so much about good and bad as much as it is, do you know him or do you not? And so when it comes to prayer, it's much more of you and I interacting with him. And I love the three little pieces that I see. And this, our key verse, James chapter 5 and verse 16, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Everybody say availeth much. Look what happens. Charles Spurgeon said this is powerful. Look at this. It's on the screen. It says, a prayerless church member is a hindrance. He is in the body like a rotten bone or a decayed tooth. 
Before long, since he does not contribute to the benefit of his brethren, he will become a danger and sorrow to them. Neglect of private prayer is the locust that devours the strength of the church. Lord, don't let us have a pastor who don't pray. Listen, I... What that means is the reason why we got all this complaining and the reason why you got all these issues over here with this group of people. I don't like my small group. I don't like him. And oh, I don't like her. And all this kind of stuff is because you don't pray. Because when you get before the Father and you start interacting with him, he just softens all that. He just cleanses all that out for you. You know what? They're repenting to you. You're repenting to them. And your best friends all over again because you pray. Here in a couple of days, the House of Prayer movement, International House of Prayer is doing a conference here at our church. We are simply renting them the facilities. And one of our spiritual sons who has the prayer room in Dallas is the sponsoring group. And one thing is coming in. They're going to do Friday and all day Saturday. And they're going to teach on prayer. They're going to administer prayer. They're going to uh, interact with prayer. They're going to move in prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. And it's a conference. It's 25 30 bucks. If you're interested in that, you're welcome to come. I just said, you know what? I'm not going to let these guys just come here and just put all their DNA of prayer in here. We're going to start being a church that prays right alongside. And this is going to motivate us to move forward. And so that's where we're at. So effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. So let's look at our three little pieces here. Effectual. Effectual. Write that down. That's the first thing. If you're going to have prayer that availeth much, you have to be effectual. Now, that word actually means with intent. It means to have a directive. It means to actually have an end result or an end goal, effectual, uh, to, to have an effect, a desired effect that you're trying to get to. Most people pray haphazardly. They have no desire, uh, to, they have no conscience, excuse me, of where they're trying to get or what they're trying to become. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the same man of prayer today, uh, tomorrow that I am today. I don't want to look back a year from now and go, man, I'm, I'm praying less and don't know God any more than I did a year ago. And that's, that's what this is talking about, an effectual, a person with a goal in mind. Uh, Jamie, um, her little car was still under uh, warranty, and so uh, so we brought it back, and uh, and and the dealership gave us uh, they gave us a, a, a rental, a uh, what do you call it, um, a loaner. There you go, gave us a loaner. And Jamie calls me, goes, "You can't wait till you see what I'm driving." I said, "What is?" She says, "It's a brand new 2014. It's only got 500 miles on it. It's a brand new Buick LaCrosse." I'm like, "I didn't even see it. Where is that? Look, that was the LaCrosse. I missed it." And man, we, we got in that car, and listen, it had buttons. It, I mean, it had screens on top of screens. It was unbelievable. I pushed a little button on, on, the, on the steering wheel, and I said, hello, welcome to your navigational system. What can I do for you? I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I said, we were trying to go to Mariah's softball game. It was up in uh, South Lake or something. I said Plano early, but it was in South Lake. What, what, it was in South where? Carrollton. There you go, close enough, up there with all those people. And so... Uh, and so I said, what's the address? And she called out. And so I said, so I said yeah, I want 115 uh, something, something street in Carrollton, Texas, uh, Carrollton, Texas. And she goes, sorry, did not compute. I said, I, said, I want 115 something uh, street in Carrollton, Texas. And it says, what city would you like to go to? I said, I'm trying to go to Car- I'm yelling at this thing as we're going down the highway. It took us 15 minutes to get that dog going to listen to my voice-activated system to get this GPS thing working. But here's the thing I'm trying to make, and this is the point. I was trying to get somewhere. I knew where I was trying to go. I just needed somebody to guide me in the process. The effectual fervent prayer, the guy who says, I want to get somewhere. I don't want to be the same guy I am. I don't want to be the same gal that I am. I have a plan in place. I want to be a spiritual warrior. I want to walk in the room, and people say, man, I sense God came in with you just now. 
Man, when I stand next to you, I don't want to curse anymore. I was, you know, years ago I was playing a lot of disc golf and, and I had this guy I met and started hanging out with and, 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 and he, uh, he didn't even know I was a, a pastor. He knew I was a Christian because I kept witnessing to him. And finally one day he asked me, he said, can I, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. He goes, do you guys like know each other? Like, like in a crowd of people, can you like sense each other? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, like Christians, can you all like sense each other like without knowing? And I was like, uh, I don't know how to answer that. He goes, he's like, dude, like, the same, I get, like, this sense around you, and there's a guy at work, and I get the same feeling. I just wonder if y'all can sense each other. Like, wom, wom, wom. I said, well, I guess we can. <laughs> if you got the fuego. And so, <laughs> so, it's, I want that, you know what I mean? I want to be so close to the Lord that, the, that, like they told Wigglesworth, sir, you convict me sitting next to him on a train. He hadn't even said anything. I want to be so close to the Lord that, that I respond the way he, respond, he would respond driving up 67 in traffic with people who should not have a driver's license. I would, I'd, like to, I'd like to be like that. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that's the effectual part, to know where we're going. What is the end result? Where are we trying to get in this thing? And, and, and go about it. Listen, you and I don't need to just pray to pray. We need to know we're trying to move mountains. Come on, somebody. We need to know we're trying to become spiritual giants. We need to know we're trying to overcome the fleshliness that we're so ashamed of and we don't want anybody to know about. We need to be effectual in our prayer time. Um, a couple months ago, I was climbing the stairs at my house. Was, we don't have a lot of stairs. And, uh, and, and I got to the top of them, and I was like, <sighs> and I went, what is going on? It's the devil. He's attacking me. And my wife said, no, you're just getting old. I said, I bind you too. Get thee behind me, Satan. Come on, some of you, some of you a little older know what I'm talking about. I still think I'm in my 20s. And so when I was in my 20s, you know, I ate. Whatever I wanted to eat in my 30s. My metabolism was so fast, man. I would eat whatever. And it just would, it didn't matter. It just burned right off. It's just gone. I'd eat it any time of night. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Now that I'm in my mid-40s, I go to eat, and it just goes, yeah. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And no matter how much I bind it, it just keeps binding back <laughs> right across my midsection. And so... Last year, I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back in shape. I'm going to be my old 20-something sexy self. I'm going to get back in shape. And so, and so Jamie started cooking more chocolate chip cookies. I think she's against me. I think that's what it is. And so we went and got a membership at 24-Hour Fitness. And I walked in and saw all these people on these little rat wheels and, and just running in place. And, and then all these people. And I, I went twice. And, and I was like, I'm done. I ain't going back to that. And it's just down the street. I could walk to it. And so, um, so I started talking to some of the, the, the guys in the church, and I started hanging out with uh, Sean Bates. And Sean, I, I noticed that Sean, he had been going steadily for about a year and a half, two years. And, uh, and I said, Sean, man, I need to get back in shape. He said, Pastor, you just need to come with me. Come on, we can do it together. I'm like, man, I don't know. I got a, I got a membership, 24-hour fitness. I got it suspended right now. And uh, I thought I was going to go work out at midnight, you know, once all the kids went to bed. That was stupid. And so is this not working? I don't know. And, you know, I mean, you know, I, don't, I didn't want to work out with him because he's younger. And, you know, young guys always want to prove that they're better than the older guys. You know, they want to, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can't move that arm for another month. And so, and so, you know, I was really struggling, and, and I said, Sean, I'd love to get back working out, but I really need to be around somebody who's not going to try to, you know, push me to teach me something. I said, you know, I played sports all in high school and as a young adult, you know, and, and I just want to get, I want to get back in shape, effectual. I, I just, I just, I don't even need to have beautiful abs. I just need to know there's one down in there somewhere. 
I just, I just want to be able to climb the stairs and not pass out, okay? And so I just want to get towards that. He goes, Pastor, you've got to come with me. Come on. I'll get, I, 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 you got to come. I said, well, where do you go? And he goes, well, I go to La Fitness. Sorry, LA Fitness. His grandmother calls it La Fitness. And it's an inside joke. And so, um, so I was like, well, I, I don't know. I've got this membership. It's on hold over at 24 hours. No, I'm telling you, you've got to come with me, and we'll do it, and I'll go light on you and that kind of stuff. So, okay, all right, let's do it. I said, well, call over there, and let me see if they'll give me a free membership for a little bit. And so I called up there, and, and they said, sir, we give two-week free memberships. And see, being the wise man that I am, I know that anything that you do steady consistently for 30 days will become a habit. So I told her, I said, ma'am, if you only give me a two-week membership, uh, free membership, I'm not going to join your club. I said, because in two weeks, I'm going to quit. I'm telling you I'm going to quit. I'm telling you now I'm going to quit. In two weeks, I'm quitting. If you give me 30 days and I get to go free, I may like yours better than 24-hour fitness, and I'm only coming because a friend's coming. She goes, all right, I'll give you a free 30-day. I said, that's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm." (laughs) So the first day I went in there, come on, somebody. I went in there with Sean. He called me at 6 a.m. Pastor, we going? I'm like, it's the devil. We ain't going nowhere. He said, I'm coming to get you. So I got in the car. We went over there. And the first day we worked out. And I got home later that day. And I just couldn't move anything. I was like, this is why I don't work out. Because now I can't write. I can't type. I can't do anything. Can't text. Texting with my nose. This is worthless. He said, no, Pastor, stay at it. We're going to do it. We're gonna, it's going to get better. And so second day, second time was a little better. And the third time, he's like, man, I'm, he's calling me, you know, six something in the morning. I'm like, bro, we, I counseled till late last night, like midnight one. I don't want to do it. It's the devil. I don't want to go. He's like, come on, Pastor. I'm like, all right, I'll go. And I got back in. And I've been going now for over 30 days straight. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Guess what's happening now? I'm still not sexy. It's still like, what? it ain't working. But what's happening now is I'm waking up, pa-pow, at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning without even being told to, without an alarm clock. Why? Because now my body's getting in a routine. It's the same thing with prayer. If you, get, if you try to get back to, hallelujah, back in the day, I used to pray seven hours a day. Hallelujah. That's where you had kids. Now you pray all day. All throughout the day, because you got kids and they're crazy and they're making you crazy. So that's why you got to pray. But you don't have these lo- blocks. You can't go back doing the same thing that you said. And I want to kind of connect that to kind of working out, if you will. So I got a young man who's going to come help me. Come on up here, bro. Come, give this young man a hand. He's going to come. Oh, man. Now tell me your name. Jaquaya. Right? Did I say it right? Jaquaya? Jaquaylin. Man, you think the pastor ought to get it right, huh? Come on, sit down right here. Now, Jaquaylin, how old are you? 11. Boy, you're pretty big for 11. I thought you were a teenager. All right, so do you work out? Do you uh, do a lot of working out and stuff? Sometimes. Do you know what this is? It's just a workout bench, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do upper presses, okay, with these dumbbells, all right? So here, let's start with, uh, here, let's start with 45s. There you go. There you go. You got to get one in each hand. There you go. All right, there you go. Here, get one in each hand. There you go. All right, you ready? On count three, you got to pick them both up like that over your head. Ready? One, two, three. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Come on, you quail. All right, come on. You're going to kill yourself. Give it to me one at a time. Give it to me one at a time. All right, good job. Good job. All right. Well, wait, stay there. Stay there. How about, how about we go this? How about 25s? You want to try 25s? Come on, try those right there. Try those right there. There you go. You could do it. Come on, Anna Swatsenhega. Ready? You just push them over there. Yeah, all right, give them to me. You're going to hurt me or you, something. All right, wait, 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 wait. All right, now this isn't to belittle you or anything like that. Take those. Now, let's see that right there. Come on. Bam, come on. Keep going. Ain't nothing, is it? It's light. 
It ain't nothing. Here's the problem. Most of us want to get back to prayer, and we want to go pick up the 45s. Jaqueline is probably going to be bigger than all of us by the time he's 25. Seriously, look at, look at his bone structure. That kid's going to be like, wow, remember that day back when I was 11? <laughs> I eat 45 for breakfast now, you know what I mean? So where he's at in his life right now, it would be dumb for him to pick up the big ones. He's only going to hurt himself. He can do the mid- mid-range ones. He could pull it off, but he's not going to get a good workout. If he'll just start small. Are you with me? If you'll just start small, you don't go back into a lifestyle of prayer by saying, God, I'm going to commit to you for the next, every day I'm going to pray for eight hours. You, two weeks into it. And then you're going to be mad at yourself. Come on now. Let me be a good pastor to you. And you're going to be broke down and it's not going to work. Why not get back in it a little bit at a time? At the way you, on the other hand, where's, where's, where's my other, where's, uh, who am I looking for? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, come on, Pathic, Mr. Pathic. Now, come up here, John. We'll let him come up. You can get up. All right. Now, John, come stand up here with me if you don't mind. Now, John, you can have a seat right there. No, no, go ahead and lean back. So how long have you been dealing with this problem? All right, so you work out? Yes. No, this is natural. <laughs> I came out of the wound like this. How long have you been working out? Eight, ten years, something like that, you said? Okay. And uh, how often do you work out? Four times a week. And uh, do, do you recognize this exercise? Yeah. Do you do this exercise? Okay. So you, here, let's go ahead and get you started. You want, you want to go ahead and have those? Okay. All right. <laughs> you, need to, you want to jump straight to the 45s? Give me a second. There you go. All right, come on, let's see. All right, now you've been working out for eight years straight, right? All right, so give it, show everybody how this, how this exercise is done real quick. There you go. Oh, my. Ladies, y'all stumbling. I'm protect you, brother. I got your back, brother. You can set him down. Now, here's the difference. He's been doing this four days, four days a week for eight years. So most of the time, thank you, John, most of the time when people talk about praying, they're like, you got to pray this much, and you got to pray this much, and you got to pray this much, and you're going, look, I can't even pick up the five pounds right now. I'm working. i got to be there at this time. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. Come on, somebody. So, the, so I get asked all the time, Pastor, how long should a Christian be praying? How much time should we spend in prayer? What, what should that look like? Friend, it's according to your ability right now. And then we build. If you're, doing four, if you're still doing the fives, if you're still doing these three years from now, let's step it up a little bit. Okay? If you haven't worked out in years, let's don't try to get back to where we were. Let's just start where we're at. Come on, somebody. Are you with me, Desiree? Come stand here with me. Come on, Desiree. Give Desiree a hand. Will you bring me the handheld? The handheld? Okay, so... Desiree, Desiree, how long have you been with us at Church on the Hill? How many years has it been now? Two or three. No, you got to put it way up there. Two or three years <laughs> with two us? two or three years. Okay. And Desiree, um, I remember when you first came, and you were at SAGU. You were finishing up your degree work at SAGU. Right. And, uh, and so tell everybody kind of the story that you and I were talking about that applies to this. So. Yeah. Um, I, within the last about year and a half, 18 months, I have lost about 200 pounds. Yes. <laughs> she said 200 pounds. <laughs> Well, and him and I were talking a little bit 
at the you know beginning uh, before the service that it was one step at a time. When I first started, I was a little afraid to go to the gym. I I do some boxing classes and I was afraid to go in, but it was one step at a time. And at the beginning, I was it was hard to do an hour. And we talked about how everybody you know up until that point was like, oh, you ought to do this, and you could lose weight like this. And you're like, shut up, <laughs> all right? Yeah, everybody has their own perspective on what you should do or what you shouldn't do, and. And dealing with the, the, the fact that, you know, people are saying, you're so, you're overweight and you need to change and we want you here, sister. We don't want you to die on us and that kind of stuff. And you're like, I will kill you, right? I mean, right, it's like, right. let me journey Let me this. just grab my ice cream. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, don't we get, and don't we get that in prayer? The, the people who are real consistent in prayer are real good at prayer. They get, I get that feeling like, man, I don't pray enough. I'm sorry, I'll never be you, I guess. And that's, and, and that's why I wanted Desiree's story to connect with when it comes to prayer. Uh, Desiree then started, um, you, you found kind of your niche. And tell us what that was. For me, it was boxing and then doing a, a couple days of weightlifting uh, per week. Okay. But um, I really enjoy boxing and then just eating healthy. And so did you find a group of people that you enjoyed being with as well? Yes. We actually, uh, we go to different restaurants and we, uh, they've helped me learn how to cook healthy foods. And so it's really important to have that support system. So you've lost 200 pounds in how long of a time? A year and a half. A year and a half. And I couldn't have done it without people and, and the Lord. And, you know, there's definitely been a lot of things that have contributed to that success. Right. So. And, and have become a very healthy and very strong person. And so will you keep this regiment, you think, forever? Well, I think that until I get to my goal weight, I have a few more pounds to lose. But once I get there, it'll be more of a maintenance phase. I won't have to work out for two hours a day. Right. Exactly. So you had to do that. To, you had to get. So there are those of us, you got to understand, those of us that are uh, a little further in our faith in the room, where our interaction with the Lord is kind of like Spurgeon said. They asked Spurgeon, how, how many hours a day do you pray? He said, I never pray more than five minutes at a time. They were like, <gasps> he said, but I never let five minutes go without praying. What a powerful place to be. Well, we can use that as an excuse and never interact with the Lord. Well, I pray, you know, I, I pray they die. I pray that this happens or that happens. When actually Spurgeon was actually talking about his interaction with the Lord all throughout the day. And so I do think that we get to the place where we're now consistent in our prayer life. We're consistent in knowing God and that we don't have to do the emergency. I got to pray every night before I go to bed for an hour. Or I got to wake up at 5 a.m. and try to have 30 minutes before the kids wake up. We don't have to do that much of an intensive because we now have our prayer weight. We now have our prayer strength and we're able to interact with the Lord in such a way that it's, 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 it's clarity. He's speaking to us. Things are moving. Mountains are moving. God's moving on our behalf because we have a relationship. We give Desiree a right, hand. You did right. so good. Good job, Desiree. Awesome. And so to our second point, our first point was effectual. Our second point, fervent. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or woman. So fervent means consistency. What we saw in both John, what we've seen also in Desiree, was a consistency. And this is where I think the breakdown comes from all of us. I think all of us have a desire. We have a, a, an effectualness. We, want it, we have a desire to be a person of prayer and interact with the Lord. It's probably the breakdown for me, I know many times, is the fervency, which means consistency. Uh, you know, that word fervent is kind of where we get that passion, uh, that, that fire, that fervent. But it's more than just a one-time, I wanted to pray and I prayed all night through. No, it's much more of a passion that is consistent, that it's a fervent thing that happens day in and day out and so that really is more of a routine concept and now that I've gone 30 days straight now my body's in a routine and now I'm starting to see a little bit of difference in my physical body you'll start seeing prayer really start working for you when you become consistent and it's day in and day out and you start taking on his nature and it's one inch at a 
time, it's increment after increment after increment. And before you know it, the things that were so huge and you were so de- desirous of God to be, give you a breakthrough, it's kind of, it's um, uh, you know, been eaten at and, and, and kind of broke down to where it's not as big of a deal anymore after 30, 40, 50 days, something like that. And as you and I become consistent day in and day out. Here's our third piece. Are you still with me? Say yes. yes. Come on, are you sure? Say yes. All right, and here's our third piece, and it says, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. Righteous. Everybody say righteous. righteous. Now, this word is not, it's not um, the way you may think it. It doesn't mean sinless. It, 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 it doesn't mean, like, righteous as in I don't sin. It means um, God-centeredness. The effectual, fervent prayer of a God-centered man or woman is effective. Yeah. Works availeth much. Not sinless, because if it's sinless, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can't none of us pray and move anything. If it's dependent upon you and I not being, uh, you and I not being sin- sinful, then none of us can pray. In fact, just the opposite. He says, come to me, those of you that are sinners. Come to me. Come to me and let me give you rest with your heavy burdens. Come to me and let me work through the, the muck and the mire that you've gotten yourself into. Come to me, sons and daughters. So here's the problem. Most of us, if we're not careful, we have this old mentality that I can't come and talk to God until I get it all right. I, I'm going to come a Christian. I'm going to serve the Lord once I get some things right. And once I get some things straight, then I'm going to come to the Lord. Listen, that's not how the Lord works. The Lord loves We're his sons and daughters. He says, come to me. Come to me and I will clean. Thank God he didn't die for me once I was clean. He died for me while I was yet a sinner, the Bible says. He didn't say, you know, I'm only going to die for the good people and there's only, no, there's none. So anyway, no, he died for all of us in our sin and in our wickedness. And he, come, and he says, come to me. Let, let me be a father to you. And so this passage, as it's saying, those who are righteous, it's not talking about those who are uh, uh, without sin or those who are super holy. It's talking about those who are God-centered. And this is a critical piece to why prayer does and doesn't work for some people. And that's because they're not praying God-centered prayers. They're praying their will and asking God to change his will to accommodate their will. Where Jesus said it like this, his disciples came to him in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 6, and they asked him, teach us how to pray. He doesn't say teach us what to pray. And the reason why I say that is because it's very critical, because some people are babbling certain words and, and, and thinking that that prayer is somehow special when it's the how to pray that Jesus then said, well, let me teach you the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Those words are magnificent and beautiful, but that's not the words that shake heaven. What he's doing is giving them a layout, a principle on how to pray. Our Father, Daddy, Daddy, my Daddy, my God, who art in heaven. Oh, you're beautiful, hallowed be thy name. You're precious and magnificent and wonderful. And then he says this, and he says, uh, he says uh, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy, thy what? Thy what? My will be done, thy will be done. This is where we make our mistakes in prayers that don't work, is that we're praying our will instead of his will. So in a loveless marriage, we need to be praying, God, I don't love him. He doesn't love me. We made a covenant. I don't want to be with him anymore. It's not enjoyable. But I pray your will be done. Lord, how can I love him in the midst of this? How can you fix what we've broken? God, how can you, how can you help me? Lord, what could I do? To be more like you in this, Lord, give me revelation and understanding. Lord, help me. Thy will be done, not my will be done. Oh, God. Oh, God. I have been so mistreated at work. God, thy will be done. Show me what is at work here. Show me if there's a force of evil pushing my boss that's causing them to reject me. 
Lord, show me thy will be done. When you and I pray his will be done, he, begin, he says, oh, I can be a part of that. Instead of saying, oh, God, kill them. Kill them all. Somebody was reminding me back in the day I was so mad at somebody. I prayed, I prayed hemorrhoids on them because that's what they did in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and they remind me, say, Pastor, remember when you said you did that? And I said, well, I was kind of being silly. I kind of did do it, but kind of not did. They go, well, you're not supposed to do that. I was like, yeah, you're right. I didn't. I, I'm not supposed to do that. That's not the will of the Lord. And if you and I will pray his will, thy will be done. Uh, the effectual per- fervent prayer of a, right, a God-centered man. The effectual fervent prayer of a God-centered man availeth much. That's the prayer that works. It's not prayers that we want our way or how we want it in the way we want it to be, but in God's way. And then what happens is, as, as James puts that in perspective, he says, and let me give an example of a righteous man who prayed. And if you keep reading past verse 16, he goes into verse 17, and he talks about Elijah. And he talks about a moment, he references a moment, where Elijah is on the, uh, on the Mount Carmel, where the uh, prophets of Baal and him have a showdown. And let me back up for that. So in 1 Kings, what we see in, I think it's chapter 16, let me refer to my notes just to be sure I'm not misquoting. Yeah, chapter 16, 17, and 18, what has happened is Israel, like they kept doing, went back to their old ways, going back to um, other religions, and they go, they're going back to worshiping Baal idols and things like that. And so, uh, so God tells Elijah, he says, listen, I want you to call, command the earth not to rain. Command the earth not, not to have any rain on it for three and a half years. So Elijah goes to the king, he says, because of your rebelliousness, because of your false gods, because you won't get rid of them, you won't worship Jehovah God, I'm being commanded by the Lord to prophesy that there'll be no rain for three and a half years. And so it happened, three and a half years. Now, can you imagine if Texas didn't have rain for three and a half years? Imagine if we lived and died based on the crops that we grew and we didn't have rain for three and a half years. And you talk talk about millions of people in trouble. And so they are crying, three and a half years into it, they are crying out. They're like, oh, God, what do we have to do? And they're saying, listen, something's got to change. And so Elijah, the Lord tells him, go back to Ahab, go back to the king and say, listen, listen, three and a half years. Are you ready? Are you ready to repent yet? Are you ready? And he says, I got an idea, king. Why don't you take all your false gods, all your prophets of Baal, and you put them on the side of the mountain. I'll get on the side of the mountain next to them, and we'll bring all the people of Israel out, and we'll say, we'll see which God is the right God. We'll put it to a test, and we'll build altars, and we'll cry out, and whosoever's God uh, brings forth fire from heaven and consumes the altar, that's the God we'll serve. Oh, it sounds like a great idea. So all of Israel came out, millions of people. And, and, and Elijah said, okay, prophets of Baal, you go first. So they build their altar, they get up their wood, and, and, they, and they kill their, that, that calf, and they put it up on top of it, and they start dancing around, hey, Bill, hey, Bill, Bill, hey, Bill, hey, you know, and they're crying out and things like that. Nothing's happening. They go for an hour. Oh, Bill, oh, righteous Bill, would you not come and consume this? Show the people that you are God. Here's the problem with praying for it to a God who doesn't exist. He can't hear you because he doesn't exist that's what breaks my heart about my muslim friends every now and then i'll flip through the channels and i've got like four muslim channels now islamic channels and i'll see them thousands of them in mecca going around that big altar praying they're so fervent they're so desirous there's no answer coming to them because there is no god we have the one true god the creator of heaven and earth and so they're lined up Beside each other, and they go for eight hours. They start cutting themselves. Oh, Bill, see our blood. Light the fire. Nothing. Crickets, crickets, 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine that service? You think our services are long. Imagine eight hours waiting for these jokers to call down fire. He's sitting there like, oh, dear God, this ain't working. I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. I got to go to the bathroom. You know, porta potties out in the middle of this field. Good Lord. Can you imagine that whole process? And finally, after a while, Elijah's like, all right, here's what you do. And he starts teasing them. He says, maybe he's gone away. Maybe you need to scream louder. Scream louder. Oh, louder. <laughs> he's messing with him. Then at one point he goes, maybe he's on the throne. And he's not talking about a heavenly throne. Yep. He's talk, it, literally, you go back and look at the translation, he's talking about maybe he's doing number two and he, and he doesn't have time to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, I love scripture. It's awesome. And maybe he just can't, louder. Maybe wait for him to finish going to the restroom. Maybe that's the problem. And he is teasing them and teasing. Finally, he's like, enough. All right, yours didn't work. And he says, come on. Let's build mine up. He builds it up. He takes stones all around it. And he says, he digs a trench all around his altar. Puts the dead, the dead animal on top. And then he gets them to go get big jars of water. Big, big, big tub jars of water. And they just pour it all. They just saturate it. I mean, the water's coming down off it. It's filling the trench all around it. And then he steps back and he prays. And he says a prayer like this. Oh, God. No. He says, uh, you know, God, everybody's watching. This is your moment. You are the God of heaven and earth. Show yourself strong. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And the Bible says that fire came out of heaven. It consumed the sacrificial animal that was dead on it. It consumed all the wood. It consumed the stones. Now, that's hot right there. And it lapped up all the water. I imagine that a couple million people had one of these experiences. <laughs> and their eyebrows are probably all sins. Come on, you ever set anything on fire? <laughs> and they're like... <laughs> and Elijah goes, now, grab those jokers and kill them. And they're all like, yeah. And they kill the prophets of Baal. And the whole nation says, we will serve God. This is the righteousness that James chapter 5 is referring to. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A man or woman who is God-centered, who says, you know what? My God is the living God. My God is the God who cannot fail. My God is the God who will not quit on us. My God will never leave me or forsake me. My God says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he'll never see me impoverished. My God doesn't just listen, he answers and he responds. He doesn't just sit up in heaven saying, oh, too bad for you. No, he gets his hands down in the midst of it and he starts fixing it because my God is alive and well. You're not praying to a dead God. Come on. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman makes things happen. When I pray according to his will, when I pray in the confidence that he's alive and well, when I pray into the confidence and when I pray from the place that my God will not, he will supply all my needs. He will not fail me. He will not leave me. When I pray in a consistent, fervent way and I, and I have that relationship going, can, not one person in this room has a best friend that you don't talk to. Your best friend, you're on the phone with them, you're texting them, you're Facebooking them, you're calling them, you're going by their house. That is fervent relationship. That's what it looks like to be a person of prayer. It doesn't matter how much time, it's you got a relationship that works. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how much weight you're picking up, it's just that you're picking up something. It's just that you're doing something, and then that affects you, that you have a goal in mind. Are you with me? Say yes. Yeah. I want you to close your eyes across the room with me for just a moment.